and look, look at the scripture, Romans 5, 8, for just a second. So, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit, any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation. If you prompt me with it, I do want to be obedient to speak to it. Uh, Lord, you look at all of us today on campus, this service, you look at each of us. But you look at me differently because I'm a teacher of your word. There's greater judgment, a more strict judgment on me than anybody here today. And I know that, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, his name that I preach. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for being here. I, uh, I have to say this. Thank you, guys. Awesome. And, and they're coming back with more here in just a moment. So we're grateful. Thanks. Um, I got to, I told Logan, I told Tim over there, I said, Ben got me to doing prom slow dance moves. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, you know, you, you got it? Prom, I was just, I had that prom slow dance move going over there. So thank you for that. Mr. Ben, thank you for that as well. Uh, I want to tell you, I want to brag on Asbury for a moment. I love that school, guest lectured at that school. But uh, you need to know this in your Kentucky history. Uh, there, there's one major awakening that came from Asbury's campus that everybody talks about in the 70s. But if you do a study, there's been a, 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 a seven to nine awakenings that's come off that campus. And I want to tell you, you're at a great school, and I pray that over you. I want you to know that because uh, as they went out, wherever their students went out on a Sunday morning, uh, awakening broke out. Uh, actually, it affected other regions of the world. Uh, so you had a good place. I want you to know that. In fact, uh, Robert Coleman, one of your professors in the seminary, you hear some of his stuff today, and I promise to give him credit for it, okay? When we look at our scripture today, uh, last Sunday, I want to tell you that we handled the journey of the cross. We know that that is, our, uh, that, is, that is our focus in our series. And last Sunday, we handled understanding, understanding the cross. Uh, when we did that, we were talking about how from Alexander the Great all the way to the time of Jesus and past, they used the cross to pay the penalty. And it was a law penalty. But uh, Jesus paid a penalty, but it wasn't a law penalty. It was a sin penalty because he was an innocent man. We understood the cross. Today, uh, we're going to look at its mission and the mission of the cross. And I want to begin by this statement. There is a book, if you ever want to do some great reading, and I say that to the university students, uh, there's a man, John R.W. Stott, has a great classic book out called The Cross of Christ. And... Uh, if uh, almost every seminarian has to read that at some time in their life, and not just have to, you're glad that you did. He poses a question. He said, why not have God just forgive us? Why, why have the necessity of the cross? Why couldn't God just say you're forgiven? How come that couldn't happen? What, what is so important about the cross that it becomes a necessity. Uh, a kingdom principle that we live under is, you've been forgiven, go forgive other people. But he doesn't ask me to die for their, when I forgive them. If I'm gonna pass on forgiveness to Ben, which I don't need to, 
It's just hypothetical. But if I'm going to do that, uh, it, it doesn't require my death. It just becomes forgiveness. We forgive each other, but when he forgave us, it wasn't just forgiveness, it was an act. And it became the necessity of the cross. So in Hebrews 9.22, we need to put this together. And putting this together, you need to understand, here in a moment, we'll build on it. According to the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, it's quoting an Old Testament here, without the shedding of blood, there is no, there is no forgiveness or no forgiveness of sin. Let's look at some things about sin for just a moment. Sin uh, is not just personal injury against each other. Sin is not just personal industry that, uh, that we have with one another, like I have hurt you and you have hurt me. It's just not that at all. Sin is not, is rebellion. If you could pull that up for me, Tammy. Sin is, uh, it's rebellion and it's rebellion that is against him. Sin is just not me causing some emotional or spiritual injury to you. It's, it is that, but it's far more than that. Sin's rebellion, it is against him. It's serious and it needs to be considered. Let's go to number two for a moment. Sin is a rebellion. You're born into it. I've told you, I love kids. I'm a preacher's kid. My son's third generation pastor. You, you don't teach preacher's kids how to lie, cheat, and steal. We learn that from the deacon's kids. You know, that's what happens to us. We're preacher's kids, it's saints or inmates. You know, it's, it's the mission or it's jail. Because, listen, do you, do you get it? We're born into a rebellion. That's the sin of Adam. We're born into it. You know, I don't, I don't have to teach you to rebel. And as I handle parents, I mean, uh, Julie and I are at an age where our children are 35 and almost 30. Uh, and in that, uh, did we have those moments of rebellion? Sure, we did. We love our kids. They're great kids. But um, was it in me? Yeah. Was it in you? Yeah. And the, we start with the terrible twos. And I said in the early service, it goes to the terrible sevens and the terrible 15s and the terrible 17s, and it just comes to this, there's this, isn't, you know, uh, what is it, John Cougar Mellencamp said, I fight authority and authority always wins, you know, there's, there's just that rebellion against authority, uh, and we, we, we struggle to surrender for anybody directing our lives but us. It's just a rebellion there, and sin is a rebellion. It's a rebellion. It's a rebellion that says to God, I don't need you to lead my life, as Ben's saying. I don't need you to be my shepherd. I'll be my shepherd. And man, that, that cultural mind thought is out there today. You, you just be your own God. You be your own leader. You be your own shepherd. And that's just, that's just destruction waiting to happen. It's a mess. As they say down in Russell County, that's a gong. You ever heard that? Gom in Russell County means a mess. I can't even spell it. You, you gommed that up means you messed that up. It's, it's, a, it's a bit of destruction going on. I want you to get that our rebellion is against him, his authority and his leadership in our life. You need to get that picture. And it is serious. Your private sin affects me publicly. Let's talk about, we got troopers in the house. We got about three troopers in the house. 
You handle everybody's sin, basically. Those of you who are troopers in that, you, you're, you're, you're handling the fallout of sin. What, whatever happens, private, my mom told me, she said, Jeff, she said, what you do in private will affect everybody in public. It doesn't mean that it'll just be known in public. It will affect it. It's the ripple effect of the rock that is thrown in the pond. Our sin is serious business. What are you seeing in our nation? I can't speak for the rest of the world because I don't live there, but I do live here. You're seeing the fallout of rebellion. And other people's private and public rebellion is affecting our lives. It's serious business. You've got to remember in number two that it is against him. Let's go to David in Psalm 51. And King David is confessing. Psalm 51, all of it is a confession. What's happened? David was not at war. And the Bible says that kings should be at war at this season of their life. He's not at war. He's up early on a rooftop. Rooftops are flat. It's where a lot of people bathed. It was pretty normal. He saw Bathsheba bathing. He lusted for her. He wanted her. He sent for her. I don't know that they took her under duress to see him. But anyway, he slept with her. She became pregnant. Uh, he thought, well, I'll cover this up. Her husband is one of my soldiers. I'll bring him home from leave. If I bring him home from leave, he has not been with his wife. He'll lay with his wife. We'll, we'll let her tell him that he got her pregnant. That'll solve the whole problem. No, her husband is loyal to the king, wouldn't even be with his wife because he thought of all the other soldiers out in the field. He slept in the doorway of the king. He slept there. He's loyal to the king. He didn't want to be disloyal to his buddies. He didn't go see his wife. That plan didn't work, right? So what's the next plan? David said, let's kill him. And so he talked to one of his generals, sent him a note, put this guy at the head of the battle, and when he's at the head of the battle, withdraw everybody and leave him standing and he'll be killed. And that's what happened. Nathan the prophet comes and speaks into David's life. David becomes furious with the prophecy, uh, realizing justice needs to be served. And Nathan said, you are this person that I'm talking about. David came to confession before the Lord. Even though this is a horrible mistake, please know that David became a man who was given the title, a man after God's own heart. Please know that. Please know that transformation did occur. So here's his confession. I said, sins and rebellion, it's against God. Look what David said, against you, God. You alone have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless. You, you are just. You're blameless when, when you judge. Uh, we're going to know that we, when we sin, it's not only... Uh, a, a thing of bringing forgiveness or breaking forgiveness with one another or a covenant, it's bigger than that. It is against him. There are five categories of sin I want you to try to learn. You may want to take a picture of this if you can with your phone, whatever you want to do. But sin is usually broken down into these five. Some of them are seven, which are just subpoints of the ones that are there. But these are the major ones. One is missing the mark. It is a Greek word, and we're going to look at the New Testament here. It's harmatia. Harmatia uh, is an archery phrase, uh, not only an archery phrase, but if you use the spear, if you use a spear. 
And it means you're aiming for the target and you fall short. It, it is the picture of you didn't reach your goal. You didn't hit your mark. You're missing the mark. I believe you understand that. Sin is just, I, I was aiming at the bullseye. I missed it. It's missing the mark. The second one is archaea, uh, and it is unrighteousness. And when we talk about unrighteousness, it's just you've chosen the wrong way. I, I said this in the early service. I, I think I know you. I don't know if I have to tell you what God's way is and what God's way isn't. I think you know that, right? I really do. I believe I could bring up a topic, a case study, give it to you. You would know which way is God's way and which way isn't. I believe you know that. And unrighteousness is I have just chosen the way that's not God's way. And listen, here's where it's sin. I chose the wrong way knowing what the right way was. I made a choice. I went the wrong way. Poneria is uh, evil or perversion, and here's the key to it. It is planning. You planned evil. You planned perversion. You plotted with it. You premeditated. It didn't just happen. It was part of the plan. You helped it get into process. Uh, it is evil and perversion. Uh, Parabasis number four is uh, trespassing. And like many of us, you go to the model prayer, uh, Lord, forgive me of my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against you. It's good to go there. It's just not right to go there because the word in the, in the model prayer is debt. It is not parabasis. It is, Lord, forgive me of my debts as I forgive my debtors. Uh, trespassing actually is a theater term. The Greek theater usually had a choir behind it like we had today. So they're backstage. You can see them, but they're back there. And then you have the actors center stage. And what it means is, it means you've crossed over. Trespassing, you've crossed over. You've, you've gone over. You've moved over. And the picture of that is, as the theater is happening and the actors are center stage, they all of a sudden quit acting and they shift over to the side where you can't see them and it just reveals the choir. I'm glad to reveal this choir. I'm also not acting, okay? I'm not acting. But in the theater, here's the problem, here's the picture. You and I have been center stage with the Lord and then all of a sudden we went off stage with the Lord. I've watched that happen in 34 years of ministry, and I try to stop it, but it all comes to where the adikia, you know what's right, you know what's wrong, and you choose the wrong way anyway, knowing what the right way is. And I've watched it. I've watched people be center stage with the Lord, and all of a sudden they move off stage with Him. They shift. It's trespassing. It's I'm going in a land that's not his, is the picture of it that is here. And it is a going over or a misstepping. The last one, Anomia, is lawlessness. And uh, this will again will go to our troopers. Not that you're this, but this is what you handle. These people don't follow God's law or man's law. They are lawless. They're not, they've got their own law. 
They have their own code that they live by, and it's neither the law of God or the law of man. They just become lawless. And I, I wanted you to see this because you're going, man, I was having a good day. I think I match all five of those. Um, and truth be known, if we, if we uh, let the consuming fire of the Lord that our choir sang about today, um, he can burn all these up. It's no big deal. It's easy for him. But the truth of it is, I can see these things in my life. And can't you? And these, these aren't just against society. This is against him. These acts are rebellion against him. And we have to examine this to see where we are in these five categories of sin. And then we're going to be able to see what uh, the Lord does with it. And let's see what he does with it. Romans 8, 1 through 10. I want to walk you through this verse by verse. Therefore, no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Two, why? Because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. I'm no longer, there's a transfer there. Going to number three, Tammy, that's fine. What the law could not do, since it was limited by flesh, say God did. God did. You're not saying it. Say it with me, okay. I won't, I won't give you a bad grade in conduct, okay? You can talk in church, it's all right. God did it. What the law could not do, since it was limited by flesh, God did it. Why doesn't he just forgive us of our sins and leave the cross alone? We're going to find out the answer to that question. He condemns sin, and he always will. Why? He's just. What he said in the days of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he will still say in our days. His promises are true, the words of Joshua. He never changes. There's no shadow of turning, no variance of him. He condemns sin in the flesh, and he always will because he's a just God. By sending his own son in flesh, like ours, under sin's domain and as a sin offering. You get in the picture? Verse 4. In order that the law's requirement would be accomplished in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh... Think about the things of the flesh. That's those five categories of sin I gave you. But those who live according to the Spirit, they live about the things of the Spirit. Verse 6. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace, which was a theme in their songs today. Verse 7. For the mindset of the flesh, look, is hostile to God. It's rebellion. There's a rebellion there. It's hostile. It does not submit itself. There's a phrase that speaks of rebellion to God's law, for it is unable to do so. Verse 8. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does, he does not belong to him. Verse 10, final. Now, if Christ is in you, 
The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, let me explain all that. I just I wanted you to handle the scriptures, but let me explain it. Um, you, you may not know it, but I actually have an accounting background. Uh, it, I used to keep books. I, had a, I just couldn't be in a room that long. You know what I'm saying? I've got, I don't know what initials I had growing up as a kid, but I had a bunch of initials. ADD, ADHD, THAO, whatever. I'm just not going to say THC, though, right? I'm not going to say that. Uh, but uh, I just couldn't handle being in a room doing all that. It was driving me nuts. But I have an accounting background. And uh, I'm going to use accounting for just a moment and the ledger system for just a second to explain what has happened and to explain to you why the cross is necessary. Why God could just not wave his grace and say, all is forgiven. Why the cross had to happen. You and I in our ledger system, we had a column of where we owed debt and we owed God a debt that we couldn't pay. You couldn't work long enough. You couldn't live long enough to pay the debt. He sent Jesus to the cross to pay that debt and clean out that ledger column of all that you owed. But he didn't just leave a columns open. He refilled your column with righteousness. So when he died, he, he took out the column of all my debt and cleaned it out. And then there was a column of where I gained. And he filled all that column with righteousness. You and I are not righteous. You can't will it. You can't just summons up the strength. You can't take a deep breath and get it. It doesn't happen that way. The only way you and I have any righteousness about us is because of Christ's gift to us. But he didn't just pay my debt. He did that, but not alone. He then filled me up with his righteousness. Let, let's see the next verses here that I want to give you. Romans 3, 10, and 12. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. That's a parabasis. I'm center stage with God. I went off stage without him. I've turned away. All alike have become useless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And you're going to go, well, then how can I be a righteous man or a righteous woman? That's why the cross was necessary. God just didn't wave his grace to forgive us of our sins. He's a just God. There had to be a penalty for my rebellion. And he paid it, cleaned out the debt column, went over to the other column of where I gain, not where I owe, filled it up with righteousness. And the only way I can be righteous is because of what Christ has done on the cross. He not only took away debt, he gave me righteousness. So you got to see that. You don't become righteous because of your, your, your last name. You become righteous because of what he did on the cross. That's why he can't just wave with his grace forgiveness. Sin had to be paid, but he went beyond paying the debt. He went beyond giving that which is righteous to us. 
So our rebellion is opposite of his holiness and his holiness is opposite of our rebellion, which means our sin and his holiness can't be in the same room. It's just, we can't hold the same space. That's why Jesus on the cross said, why have you left me? Which is Psalm 22. God, being a just God, turned his back on his own son because his holiness could not absorb the sin that he took for every one of us. But he didn't stop there. He paid our debt and he gave us his righteousness. Look at Ephesians, uh, look at Ephesians 5.2, if you will, Ephesians 5.2. And walk in love as the Messiah Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and a fragrant offering to the Lord. Look, look in 2 Corinthians 5.21. We're going to talk about righteousness here for a moment. For our sake, everything I've explained to you about taking the penalty of sin away and replacing it with his righteousness is right here in this verse. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. He didn't die because of his guilt. He died because of our guilt. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. You, you don't... You don't become righteous by having Sunday school pins that go all the way to your shoes. You understand? My biggest lie in the church was when I was a kid in Sunday school, I checked off all those boxes and I didn't do a dumb one of them, you know? You know what I'm saying? Read your Bible, gave, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You'd have to be almost 60 to know what I'm talking about. It, it was funny, I gotta say this, I taught Wednesday night to the, to the students I'll leave the names out of it. This one little boy came up to me and he goes, uh, my grandparents like you. And I said, well, great. Who are your grandparents? He told me their name. I said, I love them too. They're great people. He goes, they like your jokes. And I said, well, that's awesome. He goes, I don't like them. I can't get them. I don't understand either one of them. <laughs> yeah. I still, I still DVR Andy Griffith. Y'all just got to know that. So uh, I thought that was funny. Uh, I, I got put in my place and I loved every second of it. Now, now where was I? Uh, he, he, be, he, became, he became the righteousness. He gave us righteousness. You don't, you don't do it by, I mean, the Pharisees, they really check the right boxes. They, they did check the right boxes, but they didn't live with the love of Christ. This became very legalistic in that. It's like, it's not a, a duty, it's, it's a relationship. And I'm only righteous because of him, and we've got to understand that. Um, we talked about the cross last Sunday, how painful it was. We talked about the execution methods, and we got pretty detailed. I want you to know that the Romans created a word and the word they created was excruciating. And it is a derivative off the word crucifixion. So they termed a word that actually gave description to what happened on the cross. It's excruciating. It is, it, 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 the pain on the cross is this. And we've, we've moved that into our language today and by saying that, please listen to this. 
The cross is the excruciating pain of our sin against him. But the cross is also his extravagant love to us. It's where he bought me back. And not only did he buy me back, he also extended to me the payment of righteousness. I could never get it from any other place but from him. When you and I forgive, we are not required to die for that forgiveness. But the reason we don't is because when I forgive my brother and my sister, or anybody else for that matter, I'm not pointing to me. Help me, church. I'm pointing to what he did at the cross. I'm able to forgive you because he was able to forgive me. And so when I forgive somebody else, it's not pointing, man, he's a good man. He's, there's no one good. Isn't that what the, the Lord? No one good. Only God's good. Yeah, no one's righteous. But if I can be a righteous man or you can be a righteous woman, it's only because of the cross and the switch that happened. And in that, when I forgive you and we forgive each other, I'm pointing to the cross. Uh, the cross becomes the beautiful place. Look at Ephesians 3.19. And to know the Messiah's love, Christ's love that surpasses knowledge. I said this in the early service. We love knowledge, don't we? Man, you, you run after it. Especially now. We run after it. At our home, when there's a commercial, me and Julie, you know. Have you ever been in the basement and text your wife upstairs? You know what I'm saying? Instead of just hollering or hey or yelling or whatever. Let me, let me surpass this knowledge. I spent most of Saturday morning... Uh, trying to figure out if Ashton Hagens was going to play. And I, I believe, I'm almost 60, but I can hashtag search on Twitter and find out stuff. I'm amazed at that, actually. Uh, and, I, I, and I was looking at the rumors of Ashton Hagens. Hagens and is he going to play? Is he gone? Pictures that he's not warming up. We, we fly after knowledge. We want to know. We want to know. I'm going to pick on the troopers again. Whenever there's a wreck or something on the road, we're rubbernecking, we're, we're riding. We want to know. We want to know. We take pictures of things happening and don't help anybody. You know? Uh, we just got to know. It's just this knowledge you got to know. And here, here's my point. I want you to look at that line. To know Christ's love surpasses your search and desire and zeal for knowledge. Just his love alone for us surpasses every bit of that. So why, why, why not have God simply forgive us with a wave of his grace without the necessity of the cross? Because the cross is just penalty for sin. It had to be paid. So there wasn't going to be any sweeping it under the rug. And he did that with the cross. But hang on. He didn't stop there. The cross becomes a method of where he showed you his extravagant love for you. And it surpasses all the knowledge that you run after is his love for you. In, the, in the, my study, 
I, uh, I, I told the early service, I, I, I'm, I'm almost 60, I'm 59, I'll be 60 in a few months. And, and I think God's used me to bridge the gap. Um, I've been here 26 years. You all know Camelsville is my home. And uh, for Julie and me, our kids were born there. But God called me here in 1994. And um, I've tried to be faithful to my calling in this area and to this place. And uh, in, in, when it comes into all that, when it comes into understanding exactly what's happening, I bridge the old and the new. I can remember 1994, 95, I quit wearing a tie. And you'd thought I was going to hell. I mean, it, and other churches were meeting with their pastors going, you make sure you wear a tie. I was wearing a coat with a mock collar and all that. You know, I mean, it's just, you understand? I, I bridge between the old and the new. I've always done that. God's used me in that way. E- even if you don't get my jokes, <laughs> he bridges me. So I love the new but my study for my sermon took me to the old. And it took me to a hymn that I grew up with when I was a boy. And the hymn is, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. And I'm just going to give you two portions of this song. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my riches gained I count but loss and poor content on all my pride. Were the whole realm of nature mine, meaning the world was yours, that were an offering that is far too small. This love is so amazing. It is so divine. It demands my soul, my life, and my all. Romans 5, 8. Why the mission of the cross? But God proves his own love for us in that while we're still sinners, praise the Lord. Christ died for us. Not only paid my debt, but gave me his righteousness. We give you an invitation to surrender today. If you hear, surrender. Come to him. Come home to him. If you're off stage, You've been center stage with him. You moved off stage. Come on back center stage. Come on. Come back center stage. That can happen today. That can happen right now. Come and surrender. We uh, offer communion to you. I've told it to you early. Leave the middle aisle alone. This belongs to Ben. Okay? So if you're going to go to communion... Just go out to the behind the chairs and come down the sides. Let's respect him and the choir as they lead us. You'll, you'll figure it out. I also want to teach you something. If you see people who are sitting and they're unable to walk or get here, would some of you all get the trays and go to them and serve them communion? Would you do that? You hear me? Don't. Just, if you see that happening, go serve them uh, and bless them when it comes to that. There'll be counselors in the altar who are here to minister to you, with you, for you. We offer this invitation. Whosoever will, for whatever reason, today, you come. Church, would you stand? The team's going to lead us. The choir's going to lead us. And you come as the Holy Spirit moves you. You come.